Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 93 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. I am Michael. And we have our special guest. Josh. Josh, hanging out with us. My buddy Josh um, is going to hang out. We're going to interview Josh in a little while, and it's going to lead to a fun conversation because Josh is not going to drink beer tonight. I do have a uh, nice Coca-Cola that your wife brought for us, so thank you. God love my wife. She's great. (laughs) Um, so Josh, uh, Josh is a little, youth. It's, uh, not, he's not a little youth pastor. No. He is a youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot. Little youth pastor. <laughs> it's, what do they call this? The, you're the fake pastor. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, Josh is a local youth pastor. We've been friends for a long time and, and, um, Josh does not drink, uh, alcohol. So obviously why he's drinking Coke tonight, but we wanted him to join us and we're going to talk uh, a little bit, uh, kind of as we talk through with him about his story and and uh all of that later but uh we are still going to drink a beer while josh drinks some coke um so so tonight michael tell us what beer because we have the same beer tonight we do have the same beer that doesn't happen much um i'm actually surprised you haven't drank all of these yet um because trust me you've had them for a while labor of love (laughs) it must have been so um so tonight from the Monday Night Brewing Company based in Atlanta, Georgia. We have the Drafty Kilt Scotch Ale. Um, I don't know what a Scotch Ale is. I'm going to be just up front there. but um, If I had a good Scottish accent, I would use it right now, but I'm terrible. My friend Brad, though, who did the intro, who does the intro, mm-hmm. he has a fantastic Scottish accent. Well, maybe we can get him to <laughs> overlay some... Scottish stuff in the back. Anyway, no. Um, so ABV of 7.2%. It's got 26 IBUs. Um, and it's just a roasty scotch ale with a hint of smoke. Is it? Dude, it's 7%. Yeah. I did not realize that when I bought it. Well, here we go. We're going we're gonna to get saucy tonight. Yeah. Because so, I've, I've already got two of them out. <laughs> I just got one. Um, but the can's cool. It's got, like, neckties on it. Yeah. Um, Josh, is, Josh is jealous. Um, beer drinkers because we get cool cans and Coke people don't. So you never know. You never know what's going to happen. But yeah, this thing, I've actually had a Monday night brew before, but I've never had this one. I don't think I've ever had a beer from Monday night brewing. So this will be a first one for me. So here we go. Well, there's only one way to find out uh, how good it is, and that's to crack it open and drink it. So that is true. Let's go. Three, two, one. Josh, you didn't open your Coke. <laughs> <laughs> That's my bad. There it is. <laughs> it's a little less dramatic. <laughs> mm. So the Scotch Ale looks more like a porter than it does anything else. Yeah, it's very and dark. And it kind of smells like a porter, too. 
That might be what a Scotch ale is. It might just be a porter. It does smell like um, like pretty much every porter. That's something I've learned is all the beer, like, you know, d- between IPA, porter, sours, mm-hmm. they pretty much all smell similar to each other. Like, sa- a, sm- a sour smells like a sour. Yeah. An IPA smells like an IPA. Um, I'm going to look up what is a Scottish <laughs> what is ale. <laughs> Josh, I told you we did this kind of uh, off the cuff, and you thought I was kidding. But. No, I love it. It's perfect. <laughs> malt I, I, I feel better because I don't know what a Scottish ale is. Yeah. So. No, it's, it's a. Uh, mm, oh, is it Scotch ale? Dang. Scotch yeah, ale. Scotch ale. Yeah. Well, let me back up and Sorry. try that again. <laughs> that, that um, it. I, I just thought it was an ale made in like scotch barrels or something. Uh, I thought it was Scottish too. The ties really throw you off because it, you know, drafty kilts, you think. That's true. Scottish. Yeah. Uh, a Scotch ale is overwhelmingly malty with a rich and dominant sweet malt flavor and aroma. Okay, I, so it's like a mix between an ale and a and a porter. Porter, yeah, because porters are really malty too. So, well, it smells like a porter. It does. And it actually smells pretty good. It looks like a porter, and it does, it does smell like a porter. So, well, let's turn it up and drink it. Bottoms up. How's that Coke, Josh? It's good, man. <laughs> Classic. There's nothing wrong with a good Coke, man. No, there's not. Sure. Especially when you put Jack Daniels in it. <laughs> Josh wouldn't know about that. <laughs> no. But Josh does not have Jack Daniels in his Coke. He does not. Oh. Okay. This thing. All right. Scotch ale. You can call yourself whatever you want. You're a porter. This thing tastes like a porter. It's got a little bit of a different flavor to it than a regular porter does. At least I think it does. It's thinner than a regular porter. Yeah, it's not as thick. Yeah. I'll I'll give it that much. But the taste to me is is very much like a regular Yeah, the taste is very it's, similar. It's got that caramel like smoky caramel taste. It's like someone took the flavor and the color of a porter and put it in an ale. Because you know how an ale is like yes. more light and it, it this doesn't feel as heavy as a typical porter would. This is true. This is true. I like it. It's got good flavor. It's got yeah. good. Te- it's got different texture than a porter. I will. I will yeah. concede that. But um, it's not bad. It's not. It's not. And if I'm if I'm gonna rate this, I'm probably gonna come in and give this four Luthers. Four out of five Luthers. Mm-hmm. And yes, we did Luthers yeah. because well, Martin yeah. Luther loves I, beer. Yeah, so. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Josh is big on church history, like I yeah. am, and so. Yeah, he, he, he'll appreciate several of their... Oh, absolutely. You, you didn't have to explain that one to him? <laughs> no. I, oh, no. I King Jr.? Oh, no, 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 not that one. OG Martin Luther. I OG gotcha. Martin Luther. I gotcha. <laughs> the big dog, the beer drinker himself. <laughs> Diet of worms, Martin that, Luther. There you go. Yes. Here I stand, I can do no other. So, yeah, I'm going to come in. This is a this is a four Luther beer. This is good. Um, it's not really like anything spectacular as in like unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got good flavor. It's got good texture. It's yeah, it's a four Luther, four Luther beer all day long. How many five Luther beers have y'all had? Several. Have there been a bunch? Probably yeah. 10 or 12. Oh, wow. Michael's a little I, more I, lenient I'm, with yeah. the fives. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I've also, there's found, always one. I've always found stuff that I like. I typically find stuff that is more in my wheelhouse anyway. Um. Yeah, yeah. Something we're something we're gonna do. I guess now's as good a time as any to talk about it. 
something we're going to do in one of these upcoming episodes is we're going to talk about several of the five Luther beers and rate like our top five five Luther beers. Oh, I like it. So we had one. I think I think we both agreed our favorite five Luther beer is one called No Crusts, mm-hmm. and it is a peanut butter and jelly. What was it? It was a it was a peanut butter and jelly ale or I don't remember, but. It literally tasted like eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Wow. It see, was. y'all are trying to... I see what y'all are trying to do. <laughs> the cool cans, the great flavors. <laughs> Why not just drink beer? <laughs> we would never pressure anyone. Yeah. No. Um, I'm also going to give this four Luthers, actually. Um, it's really good. The flavor's, flavor's pretty decent. Um, it, it Like Anthony said, it's just kind of a, it's kind of a regular... Regular ish beer, mm-hmm. um, yeah, regular ish. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a little different because it's a Scotch ale, whatever that means. But um, I mean, the flavor's good and it's pretty smooth. I I could easily see drinking more the more of these than I probably need to. <laughs> that, that it, it feels very light, but it's also yes, it seven point something ABV, which is you need to be careful. That's the yes. That's so, how you get in trouble real fast yes, without realizing is. that you're in trouble. Yep, that is true. And, and then you stand up and you're like, well, okay, I'm going to sit back down now <laughs> and I'm just going to be here for a few minutes <laughs> while I recover from this. So, but not that I've ever experienced that ever in my life. I would never do such a thing because drunkenness is a sin, clearly. <laughs> clearly. So we, we have said that. Yes. So, so well, but, four Luthers. Yeah, for both of us. From both of us. Yep. I'm just glad we got the same uh, same beer for once. It makes it easier to find stuff when I go into the package store. The package store I go to has uh, hundreds of beers to choose from. Yeah. And Lower Alabama has poop for beers, for the record. Well, <laughs> when you send me a picture and I'm like, I might be able to find that, I'm like, okay, that makes it easy. Yeah. So I'm going to just, once a month, I'm going to go to the good store over a mobile that has a lot of beer, and I'm just going to buy like four or five at a time. I'm just going to send you all of them and be like, hey, man, find what you can. Okay. <laughs> good luck. Sounds like a good plan to me. <laughs> but, hey, Monday Night Brewing, got four Luthers out of both of us, and uh, that's a good that's a good opening opening start for them. Yes, it is. I've seen I've seen their brewer. I've seen, oh, I'm sorry. I've seen their beers in the store before. Yeah. But I've never gotten one, obviously, so. Yeah, so I was scrolling through Instagram earlier tonight, and I noticed that um, Tucker Brewing up there near you has their Oktoberfest beers out, mm-hmm. and they have it in a ridiculously cool mug. Yes, and so I I sent them a comment, and I was like, "Hey, I need some of that beer, and I also need that ridiculously cool mug." And they're like, "You sure do?" And I'm like, "Come on, Tucker Brewing, send it to me. Let's go. Let's do it." <laughs> they actually are pretty. I mean, fairly close. They're closer than you are to me. So, well, that's fair <laughs> enough. That's fair enough. Uh, well, that's uh, that's some beer. That's some uh, Scotch Ale, the Drafty Kilt. And uh, now we're going to move on. We're going to have an interview. We're going to talk to Josh about uh, being a youth pastor, dealing with alcohol in the church. Um, how does that work for him? What is his position? Um, I'll give you a hint. It's not our position. It's a little bit different than our position. Um, and so we, you know, we, we want to have... Uh, these conversations, we want to be honest about it. Um, we're not here to promote the, the consumption of alcohol, but but we are here to have a good, honest discussion about what the Bible teaches. And, uh, and so, yeah, we're going to do that right after this break. 
we're back. And Anthony's and back. Anthony is cracking open a second beer. Um, like we talked about before, um, we've got a friend of the podcast, Josh, on tonight. And um, we're just going to interview him and uh, ask him some questions about uh, just where he stands as far as uh, what the Bible says about alcohol and where he stands personally. And we're going to just start with um, letting Josh tell his story. So, Josh, floor is yours, man. Go for it. Yeah. Um, I don't have a super exciting story. Um, so I drew, I grew up in a, uh, in a pretty traditional Christian household. So I actually grew up in a, in the Methodist church till I was in about sixth grade. Um, and then sixth grade moved into a, a Southern Baptist church. Um, oh, glory. Be yes. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Amen. Um, but I work in a Southern Baptist church now, so I can, you know, I can't get too crazy. Um, don't you go dancing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So, um, was, uh, made a profession of faith when I was in seventh grade, um, surrendered my life to Christ and, and grew up in the church, grew up in a very kind of traditional, uh, family and youth group and church setting. Um, no, there was no alcohol at the house, um, growing up. So, uh, you know, no abuse of alcohol in my background or anything like that, that I'm aware of. My parents never had alcohol that any of us ever saw anyway. So, um, you know. Um, then surrendered to uh, call to uh, full time ministry my senior year of college, and um, have been in the ministry full time as a student pastor and done some education ministry and stuff as well uh, for uh, the last thirteen years or so. So that's kind of okay. catch you up to speed. What nice. were you, What were you studying in college when you answered the call? Uh, political science and history, double majored in that. So I thought I was going to go to law school. Wanted to be like a uh, Dude, you'd be a great lawyer, man. Well, thank you. I guess I don't know. I really, I really had kind of aspirations to to work in D.C. and kind of be like I don't know. I had this like dream scenario of being like a high powered like fixer in D.C. or something. I don't know. So you just wanted to be Russell Moore's assistant. Didn't pretty you? much. I was even then. I was trying to be I was trying to be baby Russell Moore. Oh man, all our Southern Baptist friends will get that joke. Wait, we don't have any Southern Baptists that listen to this. <laughs> no, not anymore. They may have made it through one episode. Oh man, that's good times. That's good times. Um, sweet. So, uh, tell us that that's your story. Tell us what's your what's your official position on the record. You can't take it back after it's it's printed here at the Beers and Bible Pot. Just kidding. No. <laughs> uh, what what do you believe the Bible teaches about alcohol? How do you approach that? What is your stance? Sure. Um, well, I think all right. First of all, uh, the Bible is very clear that um, drunkenness is a sin um, listed mm-hmm. multiple times. I know I, I listened to y'all's first podcast and y'all went through that and stated that pretty clearly. So we're in full agreement there. I also believe um, the Bible's um, very clear kind of in the other direction that at no point does it ever condemn um, the consumption of alcohol, mm-hmm. um, you know, anywhere up until that point of, of drunkenness. In fact, um, it, it even there's a couple times where it mentions some positive aspects of alcohol, you know, take a little wine for your stomach and for mm-hmm. your health. And, and those, those things, we see Jesus performing, um, you know, miracles, turning water into wine, grape juice. Yes. Grape juice. Yes. <laughs> yes. I also, well, that, that, does bring up an yeah. yes. <laughs> that does, that does bring up an interesting point. I also don't believe that, you know, there's a kind of a, a get out of the conversation free pass for pastors where we talk about, you know, well, the wine in Jesus' day wasn't as strong as, mm-hmm. you know, what we have, or, you know, it wasn't, it was just grape water or whatever. So um, I don't think there's really biblical evidence for that either. So, no. or historical evidence. 
So clearly drunkenness wouldn't be an issue if, you know. Exactly. If wine weren't going to get you drunk if you drank too much of it. So um, I guess that's my official position on what scripture says is mm-hmm. that the consumption of alcohol is perfectly fine for those who are of legal age. I think y'all yep. talked about that in the first podcast too. Mm-hmm. Obviously I work with students and we can talk more about that in a second, but um, you know, so if you're 17, right, it's, mm-hmm. it is a sin for you to consume alcohol. Absolutely. Um, uh, because you're breaking the law um, of the land. So, uh, but consumption of alcohol for somebody who's, um, you know, of legal age, nothing wrong biblically with that. Um, and then drunkenness, clearly a sin. So that's kind of the, the broad strokes. Okay. Okay. So, so you would say you personally are you are an abstentionist. Yeah. You abstain, but I it's do. a personal choice. Right. And it's not necessarily a choice that is and, and forgive me if this sounds if it sounds weird, but it's not a choice that's based in the Bible. Yeah, it's not a, ch- a choice that's based in the Bible in terms of alcohol. Yeah. Yes. But in, in my position, it, it has a lot to do with my position of leadership within the church, within the lives of young yes. people okay. mm-hmm. that my wife and I decided from kind of the, the get go, even yeah. before we were in full-time ministry, um, that, that we wouldn't consume alcohol, um, mm-hmm. th- because of the influence impact that we have on the lives of, of teenagers yeah. and their families. Um, and then within the church as well. So yes, I do personally abstain, um, as well as my wife abstains from alcohol. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not that I believe the Bible tells me that I need to abstain from alcohol. Mm-hmm. As a Christ follower, yeah. I do believe there is a case to be made, though, that those who are in positions of leadership, especially in the church, um, have a responsibility to to really um, kind of lead the way and, okay. and to remove themselves from the temptations of things that have the potential to be dangerous. And that doesn't just apply to alcohol. That applies to, you know, to a whole gamut of things. So, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we definitely hit on that one, I think, in uh, in episode one, um, you know, because it's. I, I see your position, and and I think the only place where I would disagree with your position is I would say church leaders can do it, um, and it's it's not necessarily unwise for them to, but they do have to measure extra caution. Sure. They, yeah. they definitely have. I That's would right. agree with that, that they have yeah. to have extra caution because, I mean, uh, where is it? The, the leader, the teacher is held to a, a higher standard. You right. know, it's sure. it's it's. He's responsible, right? And so, so he has to be the one who sets that standard. Which is why I could understand why teachers and, and leaders would say, you know, I'm just going to choose not to, so that I sure. don't have to. I don't. I don't have to be near that. I don't have to be in that temptation. Right. Yeah. It just kind of it, it keeps the waters, you know, from being murky at all. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, kind of some qualifications for leaders. First Timothy, also in yep. Titus as well. Um, drunkenness is mentioned both times specifically. Mm-hmm. Again, it doesn't say you should abstain from, from any consumption yeah. of alcohol. Yeah. But, you know, those things that it mentions, it's kind of like sometimes it's easier to draw the line at the very beginning than figuring out then, kind of where to draw the line. Um, yep. And then also, you know, Proverbs obviously is is should be read as wisdom. Um, yes. You know, um, but there's also a proverb and I'm trying to remember where it is, but um, where um, the the author there says that kings shouldn't um, even consume alcohol. It doesn't say get drunk. It says kings yeah. shouldn't drink just for the sake of, you know, kind of not blurring those lines and risking the the judgment mm-hmm. um, that the king, um, impaired judgment as he leads the people. So, right. you know, there's kind of a, again, not a a black and white, hey, you shouldn't drink. But, right. 
but my, why, yeah. why put why blur the line if you don't have to? And that's the thing for for me yeah. in my position. There seems to be kind of as you count the cost of of that and kind of do a, a kind of a cost benefit analysis. Mm-hmm. There's there's more risk than there is reward for yeah. me. Gotcha. In that decision. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, the influence you have, Josh, on the on your on the students in your care. I mean, those are your sheep, right? Those those are sure. that's your flock. Um, and if they if they see you consuming alcohol, they may think it's okay for them, even though sure. they're not twenty one. So mm-hmm. um, that's right. That makes a lot of sense as to why you why you hold the view that you do. Yep. And and I mean, honestly, that that kind of rolls right into our next question. Um, is how has your view affected your role as a pastor at a, at a local church? Sure. Well, it's funny, um, man, the stories that I have of running into people in restaurants and um, at the grocery store um, in our church, it's so funny how people get so embarrassed. Um, they pull like they the say, macaroni over the beer. Oh, my gosh. I literally, <laughs> I literally had a conversation in a, a local grocery store with a church member, um, church leader, um, who had a bottle of wine in his hand, but it was behind his back the entire time we had this conversation. <laughs> I literally watched him pick it out out of the aisle and walk around the corner. He saw me, and I literally watched him put it behind his back, and we had a 10-minute conversation with it behind his That's back the entire amazing. time. That's amazing. Hilarious. I was trying not to just crack up the whole time. I had another encounter where my wife and I were out to eat at a restaurant, and this couple was there, and uh, they had a bottle of wine, and you know we just walk over, have, mm-hmm. have a little conversation. Literally, I never think anything of it. Um, uh, begin again because there's nothing there's nothing biblically yeah. wrong with it. So yeah. I, it just really never <laughs> crossed my mind until later. My wife got a text from her and it's like, "Hey, I just want you to know that I, we don't normally drink, but you know, like, uh, <laughs> we don't normally. Okay. Yeah, you just decided occasion. tonight to drink right. wine, to start drinking wine. <laughs> right. We so, started drinking wine tonight, yeah. and we had this eighty dollar bottle of wine. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just funny, but it, it has, in my particular um, case, in teaching students. I have kind of a, a philosophy of ministry of trying to be as open and honest and transparent as, with students as I can. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to kind of gloss over difficult conversations because right. they're difficult, right? And so I know that I have students um, who consume alcohol now, um, yeah. more than likely. I mean, you know, <laughs> the, te- the teenagers do things. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I know that those students come from families where. Um, there are history of alcohol abuse. I know mm-hmm. that there are students whose um, whose parents would be not even abstentionists, but prohibitionists. Uh, I know that there are students whose parents consume alcohol on a regular basis in a, in a kind of a social setting um, in moderation. And, and, and so I want to have those honest conversations with them. And so I regularly, um, I kind of, I teach um, kind of expositionally, but exegetically at the same time. I'd like to walk through one book of the Bible at a time. Hey, that's what we do. But you know, <laughs> every, we started doing, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> every, uh, Every now and then we just do kind of a topical deal, like hot topics for teenagers, mm-hmm. and I always include this conversation about alcohol, um, just so they're they're hearing me talk about it in a very real, transparent yeah. um, way. Um, in which the first thing I tell them is, "Hey, it's illegal for you to drink, and therefore it's a sin for you to drink because yeah. you're not of age to drink until you're 21." Right now, <laughs> beyond that, the Bible doesn't teach that you shouldn't drink or that you can't drink. Yeah, it says that you shouldn't get drunk because drunkenness is a sin, mm-hmm. and we have those honest conversations. Um, I'm also not going to you know, tell them that there's no danger in drinking because there is, but there's also a danger in a lot of other, in a lot of other things Mm -hmm. as well, as we've kind of talked about. Yeah. Um, 
And so I try to be very honest and real in all of those conversations. And that's kind of, I guess, the way that it's impacted me the most um, as a leader in the church, as a pastor, is really just trying to be very honest and transparent, not hide anything, but teach mm-hmm. the actual truth of what Scripture says um, and and let, let people make those decisions um, with their best understanding of what Scripture says of them and what they should do. That's, that's good stuff right yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, that that's the thing that when I think about every every time I've heard the discussion of alcohol be had from the pulpit, it's usually this super negative, don't do it because it's, you shouldn't, do, don't do it just because, just right. because, yeah. right? And, and there there's not that transparency, and that's what I so much appreciate about how you teach your students. Like, right now, you're not 21, don't drink because it's a sin, but the Bible is also, you know, once you get to be 21, the Bible doesn't say you can't or that you're sinning if you do drink. It's just where you know, the divide between drinking alcohol and drunkenness is where that is where that divide should be, not don't. That's where I feel like people have lumped drinking, drinking alcohol into the same category as drunkenness as far as it being a sin. Yeah. Sure. When the Bible is not obviously clearly yeah. doesn't say that. Right. If you drink alcohol, you're obviously a drunkard. Right. Obviously. You know, that's the. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You know, exactly. (laughs) I would be curious how many of those people who say, like, consuming alcohol at all have, like, cooking wine in their kitchen. Like, I know the alcohol cooks out, but it's still wine. Right. You know? It's it still has alcohol in it before you cook it. Yeah. So they still have to purchase alcohol (laughs) at some point. So, um, but yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff right there. So, all right. So you 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 talk about how this has affected you personally and and how it affects your role as a pastor. Right. How do you think uh, and and kind of let's go let's go outside of just your specific role. Sure. Think about the church, the church, your local church, all the churches in our area. How can churches do better? How can churches address the topic of alcohol in a more I guess the more consistent way, right? Um, and and I I don't mean given to culture type of consistent, but be culturally relevant while also addressing the topic. Sure. Well, you know, we kind of made a a little bit of a Baptist joke earlier, but I think church churches in general, it's very easy for us to look at things that we don't struggle with mm-hmm. and, and kind of lump those as in kind of their own category of sin. Yep talk a lot about those because mm-hmm. it doesn't require anything of us. Right. And then mm. not ever talk about the sin that we actually struggle with. And I think a lot of times the uh, traditionally in, in traditional churches, especially um, this idea of drunkenness, we talked about consuming alcohol, getting lumped in with drunkenness. Those, those ideas are kind of lumped in with those, those big sins that we think yeah. of that we don't struggle with. You know, we, we talk about homosexuality or abortion right. or, or um or whatever and and those are things that we paint with really broad strokes and Mm -hmm. we're we don't have nuanced conversations about them um because those conversations can get a little messy yeah the church doesn't have nuanced conversations right exactly never believe that (laughs) never in my life that's right so honest honest transparent conversations man on on any on anything whether it's some kind of social issue or, mm-hmm. or whatever, filtering it through the lens of what scripture actually says rather mm-hmm. than what I grew up with or what I think or what I believe, we right. filter it through the lens of scripture. 
and talk about it. That's the starting point. That's the launching point. Mm -hmm. And so let's have honest conversations uh, about alcohol. Let's have honest conversations about whatever it may be. Um, whether it's, you know, whether the best setting of that is from behind the pulpit, you know, in yeah. front of hundreds of people or whether it's in small groups or, um, you know, very intentional discipleship groups, um, either way, we have to have really honest conversations about what the scripture does say and yeah. what it doesn't say. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. because I think that when we, when we don't have those conversations, um, about very difficult topics is, is why you get division within the church mm -hmm. on what I think and what I feel. Well, let's just be honest about what scripture says yeah. and have the conversation. I'm going to listen to you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And then I'm what I think scripture says. And then we can figure out yeah. together, um, what, what God said. You know, it, mm. I, I'm sitting, I'm sitting here thinking about exactly what you're saying and, and I can't help but think if the church would actually just apply that concept of honest conversation to basically everything. That's right. I mean, yeah. how much more productive would we be? Sure. You know, we, we would get away from, and we've talked about this, this, this sensationalizing everything. It's like, if there's one point of disagreement between us, then clearly you are my enemy and I right. have to destroy you. Exactly. And, and there's no, there's no nuance. There's no, we can agree to disagree. Sure. Um, yeah. Everything is, is this like this line drawn in the sand and, and, you know, it's even for that. I mean, all sides of, of the argument are doing this now. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. It, you could be a conservative or a liberal. Everybody's right. doing this now. Yep. Yeah. There, there's no room for. There doesn't seem to be room for someone, anyone, to be in the middle. Like you have to be one or the other. Yeah. Right. And it's if if you're not with us, you're against us, kind of thing. Yep. Which, I mean, I don't think scripture teaches that. I mean. No, I, I would actually argue scripture teaches the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, absolutely. You know, it's it you consistently see Jesus looking at one person and calling, you know, calling them to repentance and then then the other person, you know, you got like this religious leader who's behind him. Yeah, you need to come to repentance. And then he turns around and he's like, <laughs> What are you talking about, you whitewash tomb? You know? Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's a story of of balance and it's a story of living almost in the middle. Sure. Um and and the vast majority of people more than likely are in the middle, but they've been silenced by the yelling from the fringes for so long now sure. that they almost don't mm -hmm. want to they don't yeah. want to speak up anymore. That's right. Yeah. Um that may be a little tangent that we just got on there. But no, I like <laughs> it. No. But we've talked about that before how the the people who have the strongest most diverse opinions are the ones who are the loudest yeah. and, and the, and the majority of people probably fall somewhere in the middle, yeah. but they get overshadowed by the loud, obnoxious. Yeah. And it, you, you can probably speak to this. How much has social media affected that type of conversation in student ministries or yeah, in your you, student ministry? Yeah, you're talking about just in general conversations? Yeah, just in general conversations, yeah. being able to be honest. Sure. Yeah, that, that is very tough um, to in the age of social media. For one, you know, um, a moderate approach to anything doesn't get the same kind of traction online mm -hmm. that um, an extreme either way does. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, whether you're talking about, you know, vaccines and pandemics <laughs> or whether you're talking about, you know, critical race theory or whether you're talking about alcohol, you know, there's, 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 no, there's no real victory online so to mm -hmm. speak of of being in the middle right you're not going to yeah. win the culture wars by being yeah. in the middle um and so you know it, it is difficult um 
to be in the middle because you know if you're in the middle you're, you're kind of taking everybody off equally yeah. right you know so at least you know if you go to the fringe left or right you know you're going to have one side kind of in your corner yeah when you're in the middle right you're alienating both groups and mm-hmm. so it is difficult um to have those conversations for sure man that's uh it, it you're about to say something what you got michael I was about to say, I don't envy Josh's role as a student <laughs> pastor, having to navigate all of the like social stuff that we're dealing with right now, having to deal with teenagers in general, yeah. um, so, you know, dealing with all the social media. There's, you know, how many social media platforms now that <laughs> yeah. kids are having to have, you know, trying to make sure they're the, they're the next big That's thing. Right. So I don't envy your role at all. And, um, very appreciative for, for guys like you who are who've answered the call to to pour into the lives of students who who need the love of Jesus more than anything. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I will say that it's it's actually fairly easy for me to have conversations like that with students one on one, one on two, one on three. Yeah. I have students over at my house all the time, which is again part of the reason I don't drink because they're at my house all the time. You yeah. know, when you know yeah. a secret uh, you know beer fridge somewhere, you know. Um so yeah. um buried in the backyard that's right that's right (laughs) but you know it's easy to have those kind of conversations where it's just hey let's the three or four of us sit down and talk that's why Mm -hmm. i think those small intentional discipleship groups are so important to the church is we can have honest conversations a lot easier when it's just it's just the three of us right and we're we're having this conversation nobody's gonna hear this right well i mean okay all right right. maybe 60 or 70 people might hear okay um but yeah we can have these honest conversations where you can say hey look I know this may be a little bit out there, but this is what I think scripture says about this. Um, and, and we can have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Me, you, and a couple other guys had a little revelation. Oh, dude, that was so much fun. For a little while. So uh, <laughs> we didn't get to finish the book. In fact, I don't think we got very far at all. But um, <laughs> we made it like two and a half right. chapters in. Right. But, you know, we can say, hey, look, I don't really, I don't really fully understand what, you know, this yeah. beast represents or what all these horns or eyeballs or whatever really mean. But let's, let's try to hash it yeah. out and let's try to figure it out. You try to do that on social media, and dude, you're getting absolutely destroyed, <laughs> right? Uh, canceled, canceled yeah. immediately, say, and then you're ratioed and canceled exactly. And, and before you know it, yeah. you're deleted from TikTok right. and Twitter. And <laughs> well, that's one of my favorite things, though, is having those conversations with students, and um, you know them at least thinking about these things before they get out into the world, yeah. and they're hearing about yeah. these things for the very first time. Yeah, I. That I, you know, that's one thing that I actually appreciate, and I've seen you do this in in your ministry. Is you you talk about openly these these tougher subjects, so that it's not hiding these kids in a bubble. Right. And then when they when yeah. they go off to college, and then college is like, hey man, you can do whatever you want to do, and they're like, Woo! right? You know, you hear stories about kids going just buck wild at college, exactly. And and you're like, what? How, they were raised by such good Christian people. Yeah, they were raised in a bubble and not taught anything. Yeah, sure. Outside of their bubble, and when they saw things outside of their bubble, they were like, I'm going to experience all of this. That's right. You know. Yeah. And so, so I I can appreciate a, that approach to student ministry, and 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 just commend you, saying, man, man, great job because that's that's genuinely preparing kids and preparing teenagers for the next step in their life, which is, you know, it's, uh, I would ultimately put that as the role of the parent, but it's, it's church's job to come alongside sure. parents and, and help that conversation right. move along. And so, yeah. and in some cases you have parents that just aren't interested in, sure. in doing that with their children. So you kind of have to be that. And, right. And so, 
Well, that's the hope. So yeah, we're trying, <laughs> trying to figure it out a day at a time. So yeah, you can only take it a day at a time. So, so with with all of that, how can how can the church do better? We we've we've kind of talked about that. How can the church do better? I'm going to unlock my question here, and then what what do you think the biggest challenge? Kind of looking forward at, at really, I mean, even more than just the 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 topics of alcohol and homosexuality and critical race theory. What's the what's the next step that the church can make to kind of improve these conversations in culture with with our upcoming students and children and where where do you see the church going in the future? That's, that's a really good question. Um, I, I do think kind of something that that I already talked about is this this idea of kind of shrinking down the 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 audience in the conversation right mm-hmm. it's just it's almost impossible to really delve into some of these difficult topics in a large group setting yes right mm-hmm. and if you look at it new testamently i mean that's not the the yeah. formation of the church the early church didn't look like what we have today oh, no. right now i say that that's my job so <laughs> right um and so i i 100 get that i'm a, hip, a hypocrite in that but um you know if we can have these conversations um the, the first thing I would say, uh, the intentionality is really important. Mm-hmm. Like we can't have a conversation mm-hmm. about something if we're not intentional about having a conversation right. about something, which is what I think is really cool about y'all's podcast is right. Y'all it's, it's this niche that y'all found mm-hmm. that is, is very intentional about doing y- your best to kind of filter this, this particular topic through the lens of scripture. Right. Yeah. And now it's grown into, Hey, now we're, we're really delving into scripture mm-hmm. um, and not just one topic. Yeah. Right. And so, but it was, it was intentional. And yes. I think having intentional conversations about things that sometimes we don't want to have conversations about um, is, is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also the, the kind of the format in which we do that, it's going to be really hard to kind of, let's just face it, as, as pastors, as teachers, we're human and we want people to receive what we say well. Oh, yeah. Right? We want them to like us when we get done, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and so we don't want to face the criticism. Um, because we, we like approval as well. Um, and it's impossible to, to please everybody. (laughs) If you're going to crack open the Bible on a Sunday morning series on alcohol in the Bible for six weeks, right? That's going to be a tough sell to, to kind of appease everybody. Um, which is not the job, but human nature, Mm -hmm. um, kind of leads that way. But in a small group setting, I think if, if we're really intentional as church leaders, as, you know, small group leaders, whatever, of really having those conversations in that smaller group, I think, you know, it, it's not going to be as quick and as fast as we want it to be, yeah. but I think it'll be more, more efficient and, and kind of we'll mm-hmm. get back to the roots of what the church was always supposed to look like in the new Testament. Yeah. 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 I, I will say just in my personal experience, and I think Anthony, you'd probably agree with this, that the most meaningful, um, periods of growth in my life spiritually have happened in groups of like less than five people. Like, like like I've, I haven't experienced exponential growth spiritually from a attending a Sunday morning service where there's hundreds of people or thousands of people or whatever, like, like the most, the most meaningful growth I've experienced has been in those small groups of three or four guys Mm -hmm. hashing out, hashing out scripture, keeping each other accountable, uh, praying for each other, being involved, like being involved in people's lives. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's a great word. The intentionality is, yeah, is key to, to that. Yeah. Yep. 
I would, you know, it's it's some it's funny you say that because something that I have kind of kicked around in the back of my mind for the last two years, and I've I've said this to a few people, but I believe that there is a there's a change coming in in the way the church is done practically and pragmatically in culture. Right. Um, I think we are in the process of seeing the destruction of the megachurch. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I can point to a few examples of, uh, you know, it, well, shoot, even just in the last month, uh, Brian Houston right. and, his, and his issues there at right. Hillsong. Um, you've got, you've got several kind of mega, I mean, there's the, we were talking earlier about Mars the podcast, the, the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast. Right. Um, you know, that was a mega church. And then I think about guys who are really being intentional about kind of splitting their, their mega churches, guys like Matt Chandler, right. Who's, who's got a goal to not have a mega church, but have multiple independent churches. Sure. And, and so I, I hear these stories and I can't help but think that, Kind of my my thought process is this is this is actually happening. There's this could legitimately be the end. Yeah. And so how you know how are churches? Because for the last forty years it's been like, well, if you're not a mega church, you can't be a culture driver. You can't be a change right. engine. You have to be a mega church to be that. And like little churches kind of have to ride the coattails of mega churches. Right. But I think a shift is coming in society where. The megachurch isn't really going to be what it was. Now, it may still exist, and there may be several sure. large churches, but the megachurch is not going to exist the way that we see it today, I think, in, mm-hmm. in the next 15 years. Yeah. Um, and it's going to get back to a, a church like where you're at, where you've right. got four or 500 people, and that like that's your main meeting. And then right. that breaks down into smaller groups. You've got, whether you call it Sunday school or D groups or B groups or C groups, <laughs> right. or however you want to label it. Yeah. You know, you break down into smaller groups, and then those groups really even kind of break down into family units. And you talked about the the beginning of the of the church, and we're both kind of church history buffs, right? And and I would say, you know, the church is is different than what it was at in the first century, but it's also because culture is different than right. what it was in the first century. And you know, mm-hmm. you talk about house churches in the first century. Well, you may have twenty five people living in a house, sure. so. You've already got a church, period. Right, right, right there, exactly. just just in one house, and anyway, and so then you'd have you know a matriarch of of that or and a patriarch of that church, kind of serving as the leaders, and so you it was almost like this built in structure, and with the tearing down of the nuclear family in our culture in the last thirty to fifty years, right, that's begun to change, and sure. so so we're gonna see churches, and I think this is where churches need to step up and say, hey. We're going to help provide sustenance, and we're going to help provide sustainability for nuclear family units, and that's where we're going to focus. That's that's going to be the focus of our church, and and when we do that, I think we're going to see a change in the culture of our church that's going to become less polarizing and more. Let's get you know almost like a farm mentality. Let's all work together. Let's get this job right. done. And and if we disagree, well, we'll disagree within ourselves, but we're not going to let everybody else know about that. Sure. And and so, I just I, I think there's a change on the horizon that's coming, and and I hope it's for the good. I pray that it's for the good, yeah. and you know, as as I pray for the church, and um, I want to see these things, but but uh, I appreciate that because because it's it's an encouragement to me. Well, you didn't even know that you were going to do that, but it's an encouragement to me because that's something that I've seen changing in the culture yeah. of churches. 
Well, it's almost like you've read Acts 2 before the end of it, right? <laughs> the, the Kind of the birth of the church. I have right? read the Bible once yeah, or twice. I figured you had. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but man, that's uh, that's some good conversation, and, and I appreciate that uh, a lot. Um, anything you want to add to the massive, like, 30 or 40, maybe 50 people who listen to the Beers and Bible podcast? Well, I'm going to share it, and then I'll get, like, <laughs> two or three more so my parents might listen to it who knows heck yeah crazy um (laughs) is the only people listen to my sermons so um no man i appreciate you guys having me it's been fun um i appreciate what you guys are doing i always appreciate an honest conversation about anything but theology we love it especially so um Mm -hmm. i know more about scotch ale um (laughs) now than i did when i walked in sounds like you two guys do also yes we do um so i still don't feel like i know anything actually (laughs) no thank you guys for having me and i appreciate you guys um reaching out to me yeah man it's been fun michael if they want to find us on social media where would they find us you can find us on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beers and Bible P one. You can follow us on Facebook by searching for uh, beers and Bible podcast. You can email us at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. And you can also um, check out our website yeah. beers and Bible um, Check all that out. And, um, we look forward to hearing from you, and if you have any suggestions on uh, beer reviews or beers to review, and um, Josh is going to recommend topics Coke. that you like. Yes, Coca Cola <laughs> Classic. <is>. Yeah, Coca Cola <laughs> Classic. Yeah, I'm a Coke Zero guy uh, myself. Yes. No, um, and so no, but if you have a uh, anything you'd like for us to discuss on the, on a future episode of the podcast, we'd love to hear from you, and we might give you a shout out. Or there something, you go, so. Josh. Do you, do you want to share your social medias? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, Josh Rabin, R-A-Y-B-O-N, at basically anything. So I'm the only Josh Rabin <laughs> on the planet. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, you can check it out. So I don't have anything to promote or sell, but uh, you can check it out. Follow if you, if you follow uh, him. So choose. Josh so. is a good guy. I, I, I like actually like following Josh's Twitter. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> Twitter's a little edgier than the Facebook. So. You never know what you're going to get from Josh on Twitter. That's right. You know, so. Well, there you go. I'm literally going through following right now <laughs> there on everything. It is. There it is. You got to think. Actually, I already followed you, you on Twitter tonight. It's most. I try to stick to sports on Twitter, <laughs> so it's a little less controversial you, than you get sports, things. and then you retweet like two or three people yeah, every pretty now consistently. And then. Every now and then. <laughs> who 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 are your teams for the Ooh. Rams? It's kind of weird, man. I uh, so I went to Mississippi State. My whole family went to Mississippi State. My wife went to Ole Miss. So we have a little split allegiance to the house. Um, but then I've got a, a really random uh, assortment of pro teams. So I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan. I go back to the Randall Cunningham, Randy Moss days from the yes. uh, from the mid '90s. So mid to yeah. late '90s. And then uh, I grew up a San Francisco Giants fan, baseball wise. Will Clark went to Mississippi State mm. uh, in the mid '80s. And so when I got into baseball in like the mid to late '80s, um, the Giants were my squad, and I've kind of stuck with them. So um, I don't know what other allegiances do we need. I like uh, Luka Doncic in the NBA. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of more of a player guy than a team guy. So. I don't. I don't watch basketball yeah, at you all. You want to get into soccer? <laughs> so whatever. So. Wait, soccer still exists? Yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, who would have known? The worldwide sport. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, until next week, we hope your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open, and we will see you later. Peace out.